0: Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at AnchorageFirstCovenant.com. God bless. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, so, uh, this is the last week of Advent. And uh, I've been, you know, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, So, because it's all about preparation and getting ready and anticipation and excitement. Uh, And so, uh, this is our last week. I'm a little bit like, oh. Um, This is also the last week of our 2022 blessing uh, since Christmas is... On Sunday, and we we just decided just to have the Christmas Eve service. Um, and the blessing was this year. In case you don't remember, um, was that we remember that we know that Jesus loves us, and we're going to be looking at both those things today. So to start with, let's just read the account of Jesus's birth according to Matthew. And this is we're just going to read chapters one verses 18 to 25 this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place when Mary his mother was engaged to Joseph before they were married she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit Joseph her husband was a righteous man because he did not want to humiliate her he decided to call off their engagement quietly and as he was thinking about this an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph son of David Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. Now all of this took place so so what the Lord had spoken through the prophet will be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph called him Jesus. Um, and so, so we're looking at the, the Gospel of Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, and, and Matthew's account focuses on Joseph. Uh, Lucas's account focuses a bit more on Mary and then Mark skips it all together and John takes this huge cosmic view. So you kind of get lots of different views from the different Gospels. But just focusing on Joseph, you kind of miss some of the backstory. You don't hear about uh, Mary's cousin Elizabeth and how she became pregnant uh, with John the Baptist or Elizabeth's husband Zechariah doubting the pregnancy and being made mute until John was born. Uh, We don't hear about how favored Mary was above all women. Instead, we just get Joseph. And we don't hardly hear anything about him. Um, There's actually only one other place where he's kind of mentioned, and it's not even by name. He's just the parent of Jesus. And that's when Jesus was a teenager or a preteen. So he and Mary are engaged. And, and this engagement, um, it's a binding contract. Um, though they haven't had the ceremony or lived together or had sex yet, they're already bound to each other. Um, the engagement is part of the process of being married. Okay, So marriage is kind of seen as more of a process type thing. Um, and then the vows and you know establishment of a common household and stuff, that's, a, that's the culmination. But they'd already started the process of being married. So being engaged is being in the process of being married. And so that's why Joseph is referred to as her husband, even though they hadn't actually like taken the vows yet, because they've already started to get married. Um, and why? He couldn't just break off the engagement. He had to go through a divorce process uh, with Mary. And there's something else we know about Joseph. Uh, we, we know that he's righteous, that he tries to follow the law, that he tries to be a good and upright person. And what we don't know is how Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy. Uh, none of the stories say that, uh, that she told him. So maybe she did. It just doesn't say. Or maybe uh, Mary's mom told Joseph's mom, and Joseph's mom told him. Um, that, that is something that happened, because you know, that's kind of a personal thing. Um, or, just as likely, uh, someone noticed that Mary had morning sickness and or that she started to show and then you know kind of rumors got around and he kind of heard it through the the prayer chain um about Mary uh but however he heard um man what a way to start a marriage right to find out that your bride is pregnant with somebody else's baby and so what's a good and decent upright person supposed to do in that situation now, biblically speaking, the biblical command was for Joseph to divorce her. Um, infidelity is grounds for divorce, um, and actually, some of the commands even took it further that he could actually have her killed, stoned to death, um, like the story of the woman caught in adultery. Because technically, right? Because the engagement was part of the process of being married. Um, it wasn't just that, uh, you know, ch- cheating on your fiance. It was adul- It was considered adultery, um, and th- those were considered the righteous things to do, because. Part of the, the, the culture was to keep sin at bay, to keep sin out of your community, um, right? Because they're small communities. What, what's, what, what happens to a small community when people start cheating on each other, right? Like, so a lot of us come from small communities, and whenever you have that, that can really mess up the ties of a community. It loosens the boundaries of those those, those relationships where, where everybody's kind of families and cousins and, and stuff like that, and all of a sudden somebody starts cheating? <laughs> so they would keep the sinners at bay so distance themselves so they're not par- tarnished with that bad reputation and for so for joseph to keep the engagement it would let people assume either one of two things people would assume that he was cheated on and you know so then he'd be just that guy with that wife that you know got pregnant while he was engaged um, Right? and he would be binding himself with someone that couldn't be trusted to be faithful. Or, two, um, that Joseph himself was unfaithful to his to God, right? That he wasn't as good as he seemed. Sure, he might act all holy, he might act all righteous, but, you know, when it really came down to it, so he knocked Mary up. Those were his options. Um, now, Neither one of those are very favorable. Uh, no one wants to be thought of as somebody that that can be taken advantage of, um, or someone that uh, that spends their life trying to to keep up the appearances of being righteous, trying to do the right things, but then have the reputation and of honesty, and integrity to be ruined by a scandal. Nobody wants that. Joseph's in a no-win situation, so he decides to take to divorce her. Um, but to do it quietly, to not make a public spectacle. Uh, this shows that Joseph was kind. Right? Not only was he righteous, he he's kind. Um, he did the right thing. He wasn't trying to hurt Mary. Mary's life was going to be hard enough as a single mother. So Joseph thought all these things through. He was thoughtful, trying to weigh his concern for Mary with his concern for his own reputation, um, for his own lineage. So he made that plan. But then God messed it up. It would be easier for Joseph just to abandon Mary. It would be better for him to abandon Mary, to move on. But an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and let him know that Mary's child was going to be the savior of the world. Um, Ironically, the person that Joseph, the child that Joseph was going to distance himself from, was going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us the child the child that the world might see as a sign of sin and moral failure is the one that rescues and redeems from sin and joseph has to make a choice does he ch- take the choice to appear righteous to appear holy that makes the choice that appears lawful and i want to pause here because what it really boils down to is what do you love Who do you love? And what I want us to do is we're going to pause and we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The love chapter. Because uh, at the beginning of this year, we spent three weeks uh, studying this chapter. And so let's read this. Thinking about Joseph. Thinking about the situation he's in. What does he do? So, if you're able, um, please stand. And we're going to read this together. We'll read it in the NIV since that's what most of you use in your um, private devotions and private readings. So let's read it out loud. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. All right, you may be seated. Now Joseph, Joseph had knowledge. He knew the law. He knew what he was supposed to do. And he knew he had faith. And he's in predicament. He could follow righteousness as he understood it. Or he could listen to the angel that showed him something that went against what he thought he knew. that was showing him something deeper. He could hold on to his reputation and status as a righteous man. I mean, he was worried about this. His everything was being challenged, his identity. And the angel tells him not to fear marriage with Mary. And it's funny, because when angels appear in the Bible, it often, they often like say, do not fear, because angels are really scary. Um, they're kind of scary looking in the Bible, and they come with the power of God. Um, but when the angel appears to Joseph, It says, do not be afraid of marriage. (laughs) Don't be afraid of marriage. (laughs) Um, Don't be afraid to love Mary. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to bind yourself to her, to the complications of her. Don't be afraid of dishonoring God. Don't be afraid of the messiness and awkwardness of loving the people that I have chosen. And Joseph chose to have faith in God. He chose to hope in God. He chose to love God. He chose to love it more than anything else. He chose love. And so he married Mary. Instead of ending the relationship, he chose to bind himself even more fully into it. And Joseph, he, he listened to the angel. He named Jesus. And that's significant because Joseph wasn't the father. But by naming Jesus, it's a sign of adoption. That, like, I will be your father. I will raise you. Okay, this sign, it's going to be a sign of his humiliation. Right? Like, oh, oh you're cheated on, huh? Oh, that that there's that, there's that Jesus. No, no, that's my son. He takes that on. Joseph could have chosen reputation and status but he chose to love and I don't know if it was just because of love of God or if it's love of the people that um, he heard that was going to be saved by Jesus or if it was love of Mary or maybe it was all of the above but Joseph chose love he chose to invest himself he chose to bind who he was with their fate and this Advent Sunday right the Sunday of the Sunday of love, we, we are given the same choice, we're always given that same choice. Do we choose to love? Because there are so many in this world that are considered unlovable, that would, we would be considered foolish to love, foolish to allow into our lives. And this is part of the part of the sermon where I'd give you a list, right? Like, do you, you, know, do you, do you love those with addictions? Do you love those with mental illness? Do you love those that have betrayed you? Do you love those that have gone to jail? Do you love those that have hurt you before? Do you love those who you disagree with? Do you love those with, with, with different politics and all that type of stuff? But you know who you don't love, who you have a hard time loving, who you struggle with, what kind of people you like to avoid, because it gets too complicated. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, we we still have to have boundaries, right, the boundaries are important. But boundaries are there so that you can invest safely. Right, it's not so that you can withdraw from people, it's so that you can bind yourself more to people in a healthy way. That's why we have boundaries. So actually I forgot my phone this morning, so I'm gonna use my my watch. We're gonna take just a minute. And let's let's think. Let's pray. Who do we avoid? Which topics do you avoid? Which people do you avoid? You know, and it and it could be for whatever reason. It could be because of things in your past. It because be because you just disagree. It could be because of perceived danger. It could be because of moral outrage. Whatever. Who do you avoid? Who do you try to keep space from? And I'm going to give us a minute just to think about them. To see who God brings to your heart. For one minute. Starting now. A minute. Um, Though it's very convicting for myself, of the kind of people that I that I don't like to engage with, that I don't um, choose to to be around. but do we allow ourselves to be seen as foolish? Are we willing to choose to bind to ourselves to those that the world would say just to cast aside, that our society um, would say to push aside? Do we choose to involve ourselves in the messy complexity of being involved with real people and their real baggage? Because God chose to do that with us. God chose us to love us anyways. He could have discarded us, he could have abandoned us, he could have decided that we were just a failed experiment and that we were too costly and too needy and too high maintenance and start all over. But he chose us. He chose to be God with us, Emmanuel. He chose to bind himself uh, with, with with a humble carpenter. And, and his teenage fiance, he chose to bind himself to a repeatedly conquered and enslaved people that only seem to remember him in their desperation. He chose to bind himself to a world that over and over seems to reject him. And that's love. That's that's the love that Jesus, Joseph was called to emulate. That's the love that we follow. A love that steps into the mess. And. Uh, So, we don't know anything about Joseph's life, but I cannot imagine that it became any better by choosing to have Jesus. It just kept on being hard. I mean, if you follow his life, he ended up having to flee to Egypt to protect his wife and kids. He had to run away. And then, you know, Jesus would like go and They'd make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and stuff, and then Jesus would stay behind, and he'd have to find them again. Like, where's Jesus again? Okay. Um, kids, kids are messy and complicated, right? We love them anyways. <laughs> I love that steps into a mess. Just like Jesus did whenever he saw, saw a blind person. When he saw a lame man by the pool. Like, like Jesus did when he found a woman being condemned for adultery. Or like Jesus did when he he met a Samaritan woman with a bad reputation. Like Jesus did when he met a man being possessed by demons. He didn't turn away. He didn't worry about his reputation. He drew closer to all those people. He stepped into the mess. Because that's what love does. Love knows that there are possibilities. There are hope. Nothing is beyond redemption. No one is too far gone. And I I don't know much about the relationship with uh, Jesus and Joseph. I just know that Jesus complicated Joseph's life. But Joseph chose love. He chose complication. He chose mess. Just like Jesus did. Like we get to do when we decide whether we're going to engage. When we're going get, to get to know each other. Because I can tell you, um, I have now been married for 15 years. There are times whenever I can see my wife and I'm like, Man, if I talk to her right now, if I ask her how she's doing, I'm going to open up a whole can of worms. Do I want to step into that? Do I want to, do I want to subject myself to that? But of course I do. I chose to do it 15 years ago. I'll, have to choose, I'll choose to do it again. I step into that mess with her. And she does that with me. Right? And having kids. That means getting involved with all of their baggage. Um, right? And all their bad choices and all of their broken bones and illnesses and, and getting your heart broken and all that stuff. Right? You just, we choose the mess. And those, that's just our family. Those are just people that we kind of get to choose. But there's other people that are just around us. Are we going to step into their mess? And if it's hard enough to step in my wife's mess, you know, what about that person that bugs me? <laughs> that person that's needy? Um, we can choose complication because God chose complications because God chose us and you are a mess believe it or not you are a complication in God's life but God chooses you chooses you he chooses to bind himself to you to you And he chooses to be patient, and he chooses to be kind. He chooses not to envy, not to be boast, not to be proud. He chooses not to dishonor you. He keeps no record of your wrongs. He does not delight in evilness. He rejoices in your truth. And he always will protect, always trust, always hopes, and always perseveres. God will not fail. And that's what's called for us. Do we step into those places? Can we step into that hurt? I don't have a big takeaway. I wanted to have a good takeaway that I was building up to. I don't. The big takeaway is do you love? This Advent, this is the week of love. Can we do it? Can we try? What does that mean to you today? Who are you going to love today? Who do you call that you don't want to call, that you've been avoiding? Because it's going to be weird. (laughs) Who do you say yes to? What do you say yes to? What mess do you involve yourself in? Because the world is waiting for you. Let's pray. Holy Father God it's a great big complicated world but it's a world that you love that you've chosen to bind yourself to that you've chosen to redeem and to make yours Lord that you're choosing to restore and to remake to your kingdom God I pray for strength I pray for strength to follow you pray that we can all be like you, to do what you do, to represent you and your love in this world, to see the possibilities, to see the hope, and to not give up. In Christ's name, Amen.